This podcast is supported by Red Energy, powered by the mighty Snowy Hydro, a leader in renewable energy. Red is a hundred percent Australian owned and local. Phone one three one eight zero six. Every time I'm now invited to have a quiet, casual drink with a friend or a very small, intimate dinner, I wear my best clothes. I'm so overdressed, it's not funny. Can't wait to play Scrabble with you on the weekend. When in doubt, dress up. People, come on, what's happened to you all? I know we've had eight weeks off, but really, have you forgotten how to put your indicator on? We used to think that because we could see people in the office, they were at work working. You know, how much was Facebook, realestate.com? writing an email to Granny, I don't know, because there's a level of trust that's required. I think the AFL could make a huge impact on footy in southern Queensland by this hub they're going to create over the next month or two. I think they might get a bit of a jump on the NRL in Queensland. Well, I tell you what, it is the best sex I have ever seen on a screen. Don't Shoot the Messenger podcast with Caroline Wilson and Corey Perkin. Thanks to Red Energy, powered by Snowy Hydro, a leader in renewable energy. Call 131 806 for real Aussie energy. Welcome, everybody, to episode 128 of Don't Shoot the Messenger. You're with me, Caroline Wilson, and my dear friend, Corey Perkin. Hello, Corrie. Hello, dear friend, Caroline Wilson. Lovely to see you. It's been a week. I don't think I've seen you since the last podcast. Well, so much to talk about. There is a lot to talk about. I'd like to thank our wonderful sponsor, Red Energy, 100% Australian electricity and gas. I've got some good news for you, Corrie. I've got a few apologies. And, um, well, first of all, I'll cut to the chase. We're in episode 128, and this week I was told at the very end of Footy Classified on Monday night as I was packing up and going home, Craig Hutchison told me we'd jumped 20 positions, 20 positions on the Australian podcast rank. So we've gone the, from 1,000 to No, we're now in the 40s, Corrie. No, 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 no. Oh, my goodness. We're, so I really want to thank everyone for joining us. I think we've made lots oh of new goodness, friends. Oh, my goodness. That's huge. During this dreadful pandemic. I know, Corrie, sometimes you think we're a little, little bit flippant and a little bit frivolous. But I do. I'd much rather be talking about politics all the time. Ha- well, guess what? I think I think we've given people a few laughs. I hope so anyway. Um, we've got a, love, a wonderful special guest coming up, which I'm going to go on to in a minute. I've got a couple of quick apologies. Corrie, I have been bowed up by more people in the last week who find it really difficult to find our show notes. I ran into a friend um, walking her beautiful dog the other day and um, we had a long chat. She said, look, I I found it so difficult to find your show notes. I basically was told I have to scroll down to the end of the Don't Shoot the Messenger podcast notes. So, Miss Jane, can we bring you in to just... Tell everyone what you do. Yeah, Jane, do we actually have show notes or do we we pretend? Is it it a lie, Jane? No, we do. And I do try and make them as uh, detailed as possible. I wish there was a simple answer, but basically every podcast app is different. So some of them you swipe across the podcast art. There might be a little three dot where it says show info. Um, But every time we post on our social media platforms, especially Facebook, we send links, which is also if you're on a desktop computer, you're not on a mobile phone, you want to click through to the recipes and the links we provide. 
just use one of our links uh, via, say, Facebook, or you just go, don't shoot the Messenger podcast, and our platform is Wooshka, it'll bring it all up and you just click on an episode, all the links and everything's there. But feel free to send me an email. I have been answering people's emails, finding out what platforms they're in. So, Jane, can, can we do this on our phone? Yes. So in your actual phone app where you're listening to Don't Shoot the Messenger and I'm bringing it up now. You mean the Apple one, for example? Yeah. um, See, I'm not an Apple user. In mine, when I just bring it up, there's the episode. And just below, I'm on a little CastBox uh, program, Pocket Cast, sorry. It's just there. So you might have to swipe, tap, double tap on the icon that you're listening to on your phone or just find someone under the age of 40. (laughs) And Jane, oh, Jane, now come on. And Jane, while I've got you, and, and the mention of recipes brings me to my second apology. Uh-oh. Now, I'm sorry, Jane, the apple and raspberry cake, I know I did it twice, but it was so good we did it again. You didn't I, put how long you I cook it in the it oven. I changed it, though. I did update it. Well, two different friends <laughs> rang me last week. One text, one rang. How long? We've just put it in the oven and there's no time. 40, 40 to 45 sorry, minutes, Karen, Jane. can't people kind of work it out? No, if you get a recipe, you need to know how long you cook well, a cake you do, in the oven. If, you, if you've cooked cakes for as long as you and I have, you get a rough idea. Corrie, some are 30 minutes, some are 25 well, just minutes. just go and prod it. Some are... 45 oh, I minutes. I think some of your friends need to have a good heart. Look at themselves. I think Miss Jane just needs to put the time <laughs> in the show notes. Look, I did update it. The problem is if you <laughs> automatically download the podcast, anything we change after it Jane, hits your you, phone Jane, doesn't you reali- update. <laughs> you realise why she's giving you a bashing, don't you? It's because you now have your own gardening show exactly. on SEN. And she's very jealous because don't all Caroline Wilson's big- ever wanted is... Gardening with Caro Wilson. <laughs> Don't get too big for your boots, Jane. They are beautiful um, flowers. You bought. What are they called? The ones? Calendulas. Calendulas. Now, um, today. Caro, before you introduce our special guest, and also we've got to talk about our main challenges. Um, there were there was a lot of love for you on our Instagram account. Don't shoot pod about the uh, death of your darling Billy, your beautiful chocolate Labrador, um, Ms. Jane Miller. Very sorry to hear about Billy. Condolences to Carol and family. It's really tough to say goodbye to a beloved pet. They become such a part of the fabric of our, our life. That's so true. Riddell Rach said, goodness me, the opening topic should have come with a warning. I was in tears listening. Vale, Billy, all the best to Carol and the family. Um, Fairfield Books said, Corey, I really enjoyed Melting Moments too, which is the book I mentioned last week by Anna Goldsworthy. And then she said about Anna from the op shop, after Anna's recommendation last week, I cooked chicken masakan from Falliston. Word to the wise, don't forget the lemon juice and yogurt at the end. It makes a huge difference. Oh, look, I cooked it last week. I, that, that's absolutely right. Do you remember right. the lemon juice and the yogurt? I did everything right. right. I, I thought it was a bit overspiced, to be honest. I would do less of all the other, the, oh, what is it? Is it sumac? or Anyway, I'd do less of it. It was yummy, though. It was absolutely yummy. Oh, well, that's very nice. So Tony Jones at Channel 9, um, we were talking about the segment I do on the news on Monday. He said, oh, had to turn off your podcast the other day. It was so depressing. Should have come with a warning about your dog. I said, oh, thanks, Tony. He said, oh, no, far too sad. I don't. I couldn't bear it. If The day I lose my dog, he said, I don't know what I'm going to do. Well, just on the puppy front. So I'm these... sorry, everyone, if I made you sad. I well, didn't mean one, to. One of, the, one of the several kennels that I've um, subscribed to from my new puppy, uh, they sent through photos the other day, one female and three males, little um, miniature groodles. And they are so cute. So I scrolled down. Which one did I love the most? Boy or girl, beautiful faces. About to send it to the family. Seven and a half grand. Really? Seven and a half grand. 
That seems ridiculous. Is that? Is it ridiculous? Yes, yes, that is it ridiculous. Is. Oh, no, I can't because afford as much as I, no, I can't wait to no, puppy you can, up. No, you don't have to pay that much for a dog. I know. No, I, look, I should be looking at the lost dogs home. Carol, yes, you just... should. And on, our friend Helly has also been in touch with pumpkins, Corrie. Pop your pumpkin in the microwave for one to two minutes and it will be easy to cut. You don't need to, you know, lift weights and get in training and remove the skin. That time in the microwave depends on how thick the skin is. Yeah, that all, look, it's all... And also, Helly says that when it's cooked, the skin will just peel off. So thanks for that, Helly. I'm going to try it. I having nearly stabbed myself in the heart last week with uh, Anita's pumpkin. Now, now Corrie, how are the waterways of Melbourne treating oh, you? Oh, Carol, I had the best walk on Friday. I went with my daughter Coco through, we met at uh, Kensington Shopping Centre and we walked along the Maribyrnong. Um, we had a fantastic Past walk. Past the Poynton's Nursery, as our lovely listener told us. I didn't see the Poynton's Nursery, but I, maybe we were just gasbagging so much. <laughs> I don't think we noticed. Um, we went down the back streets of Kensington, which is such a pretty suburb, down to the Maribyrnong River Trail, past the Flemington Racecourse, all up we did about 7.5 or 8K. It was a beautiful day. We had three wonderful days over the weekend, and um, I'm hooked on the Maribyrnong River. You get all these fantastic vistas of the city. Yeah, uh, you know, oh, across, it's, it's amazing, isn't it? Yep. Stunning. Well, one minute it'll look like fields and there was a man fishing and I took the perfect Insta shot. You could have been anywhere in kind of rural England. And then the next bit you've got that hard-edged inner urban city in the background sort of look. It was really fantastic. I loved it. And did you do um, Lake Wendery? Um, no, I didn't do Lake Wendery this weekend. I did go to Ballarat, but I didn't do Lake Wendery. It doesn't count as a waterway of Melbourne, Caro. Well, it's a waterway of Victoria. <laughs> yes, but my challenge. Oh, my God, I'll be walking forever <laughs> if I'm trying to do that. Um, how's your challenge going? How's Iris? Well, I'm on to my second Iris. Oh, the, good. Um, it's, um, I keep finding these beautiful old first editions. Um, this is, that is um, stunning. The Time of the Angels, which is um, yet another sort of family saga in another troubled house. Yet again, Russian emigres are involved. And yet again, it seems to be a bit of an allegory. I've worked out the, the Italian girl, there's a lot of Garden of Eden about it. And it sort of hit me right at the end. And I think I was just being a bit dumb. But quite disturbing. Easy to, much easier to read than I remember from my youth. I, I, next one's going to be a severed head, but love the Italian girl. Now I'm on to the time of the angels. So that's my May challenge. I'm still going, and you are too. So well done. We've actually stuck to it this time. Mm, well, I'm going to do. I'm going to do. Um, if I get some time in the next week, I'm going to do Elwood to Sandringham or something like that. I'm going to do the Port Phillip Bay. Well, we're all sort of, and I, I'm sticking to your April challenge at the moment. I'm. Not right this moment because I'm not dressed up, but I'm not saving anything for best. Every time I'm now invited to have a quiet, casual drink with a friend or a very small, intimate dinner, which I've just done one or two of, I wear my best clothes. <laughs> I'm so overdressed, it's not funny. That's always a good theme, isn't I it? I can't wait to play Scrabble with you on the weekend. When in doubt. Tiara and Pearls. When in doubt, dress up. Now, Corrie, our guest today is Anita Zima, Executive Director of the Slade Group, one of Australia's leading recruiting firms. We're going to talk about the white-collar workforce because this is such a fascinating issue for me. All of us have changed our work habits completely. We've just had our temperature taken because we're back in the Croc Media Studios and we're sitting a long way away. Anita is joining us remotely. Anita, you've been a great friend of the podcast for a very – well, from the beginning, really. Remember when um, you were one of our earlier international friends? Remember you were living in In Berlin? Berlin. Oh, that was wonderful. Neats, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. 
Now, how did it all unfold for you and the team at Slade in terms of the adjustments? You've got a lovely extended family and I can imagine you had your challenges at times. Um, we did on both fronts, Caro, but we, um, I have to say we called it early. Um, we do a lot of reading. We're involved in a lot of um, sort of business networks and and um, some conferences, and we really felt that it was going to get bad pretty quickly. And I remember putting out an email to all the staff very early on being probably a little bit very alert and a little bit alarmed. And as per the whole population, some people took it in their stride and others said, oh, you're completely overreacting. And I said, look, I'd rather be prepared than surprised. And as it was, it did unfold as bad as we expected, probably even worse. I mean, it's hard to believe the situation that we find ourselves in now. Who could have imagined it a year ago? Um, Extraordinary. Yep. That's right. So we we decamped from the city down to... um, the Mornington Peninsula, which is where we've got our weekender. And my husband's over 70, so he's in the vulnerable um, category. Um, and we we had to look up, what does elderly mean? Well, it's variable. <laughs> over 64, oh, my God. We, no, we, we couldn't buy that, but we were happy to – we older. We were happy to go with 70, over 70 being older. And um, we had the good fortune of having um, – one of our boys come down from Sydney. He and his girlfriend live in a one-bedroom flat with no balcony, and they called it early before there was a restriction on movement and drove down one day um, all the way through. And they've been with us for the last two months, which has been a treat to, to be with an adult child who we haven't lived with for 10 years. He was in, in London and then Sydney. Uh, Daisy came down and stayed till Easter and then she came back to Melbourne because her boyfriend works in construction and they've worked all the way through. So she had to make a call because she couldn't then swap between places because he's exposed and we've got, we've got um, you know, mindful of, of sharing the, the virus. And at work, we were very um, hard hit. Um, I would say roles under middle management have been really, really hit hard. They seem to be the roles that organisations are trying to do without and certainly not replace. And our industry in recruitment is often considered to be the the sort of the canary in the mine, which is the term, you know, when there's a lack of oxygen, the canary dies. And the minute people lose confidence, and organisations lose confidence, people don't move and people don't add people to their organisations. So in one week, we had 10 roles that were either uh, pulled or deferred. Just it, it just went like every time the phone rang, we knew, here we go again, here we go again. It was probably more like 20. And that's tough on our people because they get their professional satisfaction from the work they do, you know, finding really great talent and working with really good organisations to make good matches. Um, so that's been tough. Technically, we were very lucky. Again, I'm glad it didn't happen this time last year because um, being able to work from home, we, this sounds like an ad, but Microsoft has a product called Surface Pro, which is this really nifty laptop that I'm working on now remotely. And you can take it anywhere um, and plug it in at your desk, but it works as a tablet. Um, it's got everything you need and we need and we were very able uh, we were able very quickly to to get all our people working from home Um, the office is still open 
you know we've got we've got a large payroll with with contractors and temps as well. Um, but if I go in there and I've been going in maybe one day every fortnight, there might be two, three, or four people in an office that would normally house around forty. So it's it's very interesting. Mm. Needs, tell us about the the work culture of everybody working at home and there's no longer the collegiality, the camaraderie, the getting together, dare I say, meeting upon meeting upon meeting that happens in boardrooms and so on, and that structure of going into work each day. Most people have lost that for the last two months and I just wonder from your perspective with your team, what are the you know ups and downs of that? Mm. Really interesting, Corrie. I think it's really tested leadership and um, management. I think it's very, very hard to manage remote teams. I think it, it, it you have to crank it up another level to be able to do that. Do you mean and, over? Do you mean oversight and care and of and your group? All of those things. So, um, when things aren't business as usual anymore, how do you how do you motivate and support somebody? This is our situation. Not everybody's like that. There are lots of people, say, working in the finance sector or the banks who would be working from home, but it's business from usual somewhere else. But when your normal work processes have changed and your normal workflow has changed, there's another layer of keeping people optimistic, positive. What can you control and what can you do? And maintaining, you know, the spirit of what you can do. Um, a lot of people have been put onto JobKeeper and have had their salaries reduced. And that adds a huge amount of pressure and anxiety. How long will it last? Uh, um, we know that we're committed through till September by the government. Um, my feeling is that they may well extend it because they need to keep the macro economy going. They need to keep money going through the economy. It's not a, it's not about the government wasting money. It's about keep, pe- keeping people out of unemployment queues keeping um, social issues, civic unrest at at bay and keeping people meaningfully employed, even if it's at a lower rate. For the managers, um, there's one really interesting trend that we used to think that because we could see people in the office, they were at work working, whereas really did we know what they were doing? There was a lot of trust involved, I think. You know, how much was Facebook, realestate.com, writing an email to granny, I don't know, because there's a level of trust that's required. But with remote workers, um, we check in in the morning, what's, you know, this is what managers have to do now, what's the day's activity going to look like, the accountability, um, and then checking in at the end of the day, what did we achieve? Did we get through the list of activities we were going to get to? And once upon a time, that probably would have been called micromanaging. I would say now it's very much effective impacting, impactful management and support. So it also gives people a real sense of purpose and I can get this done today and I'll check in and I'll, I'll feel good that I've, I've got some achievements under my belt during that day. We're talking to one of the podcast's great friends, Anita Zima, Executive Director of the Slade Group, because it's one of Australia's leading recruiting firms and Corrie and I are finding... Well, we've got families who have all been impacted by this and we're watching the, the work trends have changed so much. And, Neats, I'm interested in travel. Do you think there will be less travel for work? As a res- I'm, I'm interested in all the results of all of this and I know it's too early to pick the trends, but will people fly less interstate for meetings and do more of what we're doing now? 
Oh, I think undoubtedly, Caro. I think we've shown that we can have a really good meeting effectively by by Zoom, Teams, Skype, whatever it is that you're using. Um, and the thought of lining up in an airport, going through the airline rigmarole, it's, I think it's going to change a lot of the travel plans. What else do you think we'll, we'll never go back to? Can you think of any other examples? I think there'll be a casualisation of um, workwear. I think that whole thing about being buttoned up and, and uh, looking, looking the part has shown the way we see everybody with their jumpers and um, very comfortable. They're no less intelligent or capable. But um, I do feel sorry for the for the um, men's suit manufacturers and retailers, um, those retailers that, that have got um, women looking, you know, dressed for work. I'm not sure that we'll go back to that. Oh, Although I Karen think that... Earlier, no, perhaps that's... we will want to dress up. Maybe we'll want to get out of the tracksuits. And... It's psychological needs. <laughs> and Corrie still hasn't yeah. managed to find me the perfect pair of leisure pants, so I'll be I'll be dressing up. I think I, I honestly think that when you put on a good outfit and a bit of lipstick and your hair's looking good, you feel you're you're in better shape for the your, your work fit. You, you do, but there are days when you don't have to meet anybody other than your work colleagues, and um, it's it's easy. The other thing that's been fantastic, no commuting, will is the fact that you actually have more time in your day. So. If we end up working half-time in the office and half-time at home, you know, there's quite a few hours that you can be more productive either in your home life or or in your work life, minus the commute. I think that's an interesting trend. The grassroots observation from the bookshop, uh, Anita, is certainly uh, supports that in our particular area, and I guess it's the demographic of our suburb, I would say, you know, a lot of the people in our area have come from CBD jobs and they're working from home. And they're, they're white-collar workers. And what I've noticed is that, and they talk about this, how they start work after they do exercise and then they start work usually about 8 or 8.30. And then around about 11 or 12, they'll go for a walk. And that's often when they'll come into the bookshop. They'll knock on the door to have a bit of a solo browse of the books or they'll buy a coffee or whatever they do. And then they go back and they work until 4. And then usually there's a team meeting at the end of the day because I say, I I mean, I made this joke with somebody the other day who works for a big legal firm and she's been at home for six weeks. And I said, oh, do you hit the grog like I do at 4 o'clock, you know, 4.01? And she said, oh, no, we always have a meeting, which is what you were saying. Corrie, we had a 6 o'clock rule. How did it go back to (laughs) 4? Five, I would understand. I've when been did quite, that happen? I've been quite desperate. <laughs> I do my home deliveries and I get home and I go, Mm-mm, time for a and Well, see, you might find, you might have made a rod for your own back here because people have loved your home deliveries. Oh, we're continuing that. I mean, that again. You're the Annabelle Crab of books. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Um, well, I just uh, sort of feel that, you know, that one of the upsides, I guess, and Anita, you would have found this not only with your colleagues at work, but also your clients too is that everybody's rethinking how do we do this so this time even though we've been as busy as busy it's given me time to think about well what is our business model and it's really interesting you know when I started the bookshop 11 years ago I said look we can never take on borders and we can never take on Amazon we'll just be a little independent suburban bookshop who just feeds its local community well within a couple of years borders in Chapel Street had gone and now with Amazon we can deliver on the same day free of charge. Now, Book Depository, Amazon, Australia Post, none of them can do that, and we can. So there's an opportunity. 
and then it's just mm-hmm. how you kind of fit that into your bottom line and is it is it how long, you know how viable is it I think Corrie's touched on something really interesting. It's that respect for your clients. I mean, for Corrie, it's people who buy books. I've, I have, not that I ever treated my contacts badly, but I am so appreciative of people who've taken my calls over the last two months and helped me with stories that I'm trying to write to try and make sense of what's going on in football. And um, you've probably found this. I mean, I know the AFL and clubs have got a brand, a newfound respect for their members. Like. We always knew they were the lifeblood of clubs, but now they're really the lifeblood, the players and what they're being asked to do. And you're probably the same with your clients as well. Not that you didn't respect them, but we're all trying to do more for them. And I think that will be a positive that, that will change too. I think I, I think more broadly, not just in business, Caro and Corey, but I think there's been an enormous amount of kindness shown um, across many, many communities I think the care and respect and understanding and empathy that we have for each other has been highlighted. I I get quite emotional when I hear some of the stories about neighbourhoods and people looking out for each other, and that crosses into work as well. We're very mindful of the stress that our own people are under on JobKeeper and having, you know, had to have their salaries lowered, and me me included. You know, I've I've taken a big... um, salary cut like everybody else has in in many, many industries. Um, But we're doing what we can. Yesterday, our general managers delivered, hand-delivered some care packs to every one of their staff members personally, just as sort of a a gift. We we have these quarterly awards. So this afternoon at four o'clock, we'll get together by Zoom and do our quarterly awards. Everybody's got a little snack pack and a a bottle of something, bit of wine, can I say? And it will be at four o'clock, Corey. <laughs> Go for it. I'll so be there. We can virtually share, but we have to keep on connecting as much as we can because we are social creatures and and humans need to care for each other, whether that's in a professional or a personal um, level. Mm. Neats, I'm interested in, Carol and I have been talking about this each week during the podcast about the effects that it's had on us, our home life, our social life, our work life, Carol and I are lucky that we've both been so busy with work and a lot of people listening have not been so lucky. But just for you, like where, where, what, what are the changes that have happened in your home life, uh, your social life? Have you reconnected again with four or five people like we're allowed to? Are you ready for post-lockdown, Neats? <laughs> well, I've, I'm, I've sit on the, I think I sit right on the border of being an introvert and an extrovert. I'm very happy in my own company. And I love company. That's, so, a, that's an Aries trait we share. <laughs> and so to have two months where there's no broader social interaction, I have had some beach walks with some friends at distance, but we've not been to people's houses for dinner and neither of people come to us and we obviously haven't been out for dinner and there's been no parties or big gatherings. So that's been a big change. And that's been that's been a bit of a gift, I think. That it really has. We did though on Friday night. We got a we got a call when when um, Premier Andrews released us from complete hibernation. Um, Vicky and Jill rang and said, "Oh, come over for dinner on Friday night." And the joy it was absolute joy. Um, uh, uh, Vicky's a beautiful French cook. Um, Gilles made, made cocktails. Um, Maria and Martin were there. There's six of us down at Shoreham. It was just an absolutely special night. Um, socially distanced. We wanted to hug, um, but we just did the, the quick elbow. And if, if I've got one professional message from that that I can just pass on, 
we have to remember to social distance. Just because we can see each other again doesn't mean we can hug and shake hands. And I think that's a real danger that people have forgotten and maybe there hasn't been enough of that made, that it's really important. And I also think, and I'm a little bit off track here though, but I think face masks, can I just say, they're not weird and rude. It's, it's a way that we'll be able to interact socially more easily and get back to work more quickly. And it's actually respectful and polite and mindful to wear a face mask. So if you are in crowds in a supermarket or anywhere in a shopping centre, I'd really urge people to wear face masks. Um, it just adds a layer of protection and it'll help us to, to flatten the curve, as we all like to say. Well, Caro and I were given a couple of, and Miss Jane, a couple of beautiful ones from our listener, yes. Lindsay, last week. Almost fashion <laughs> items. I, although Corrie got the nicest one because I stupidly put one on and then I couldn't share it. But they're all beautiful. Don't say that. And Lindsay will send you more now. Oh, no, no Lindsay. Subtle that, hint to Lindsay. No, Actually, Lindsay, a don't. Bandana, a, a good bandana will do. Just cover your nose and your mouth. Yeah, so and, that, and the other going. thing, and the other thing too, uh, Anita, which I have noticed in the in the shop and and also the shopping centre in the last week, is that when people are coughing or sneezing, they're completely forgetting. Or most people, there are some vigilant people, but they are completely forgetting the environment in which they are sneezing and coughing, and mm. it's just not good enough to have a coughing fit in a bookshop. And when the owner, me, says, "Look, would you like a glass of water? Would you mind standing outside?" You, the filthiest look last week. The oh, filthiest look, look from the, a customer. That's that's terrible. There's definitely been a slackening off. I mean, last weekend um, I had a beautiful long and remote walk with um, with a girlfriend, and we ended up at the coffee shop. We're standing outside. Suddenly we looked around. There was about fifty people, and the owner had to say, "Please." Disperse, disperse. Mm, And um, all the walking tracks that I do around Melbourne and the peninsula everywhere were so, I mean, yes, it was a beautiful weekend. but And, yes, we've we've been to um, a really lovely intimate dinner and it's so tempting to just, you're so happy to see the person again. Aren't you, Anita? You want to give them a big hug, but you You don't. You do, but yes, and I keep on stepping back and and I feel rude, but we have to be mindful. No, 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 I I think that's absolutely right. I did something I haven't done for two months this morning, Corrie. I got my diary out. I thought, oh, I sort of need to fill in a couple of engagements here, you know, (laughs) particularly with footy back and I'm thinking of the calendar again. I thought, oh, I haven't missed this diary. It's weird, I have not missed it at all and 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 I will never... Go back to being quite so busy. I'm exactly like you, Anita, and I suspect you too, Corrie. I love seeing friends, but I really love my own company, and I really haven't missed it all that much. Well, this is something I want to talk about in the GLT section. I've, I've had a few ideas about how we can, if we've actually decided this is the way we want to go forward, how we can do it. So we'll do a bit more of that. I'm not sure my conversation, <laughs> um, my conversation is up to scratch. Just Look, yet. I tell you what, you sent me, a, you sent me a message. Uh, Caro about will we ever, how will we go when we all get back together again, will we remember how to talk? We had, the three of us had a little birthday celebration for a friend at my house at just a little dinner last week and can I just say with really good friends, you never forget how to yak. No, 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 that's right. (laughs) There are no awkwardnesses but Anita, it's interesting when you were talking about the kissing thing we did when, when the girls first came through the gate we hug and we just went, oh God, sorry. You know, like you do forget. We have to be remain to, to be. We have to keep being mindful. Neats, we want you to stay with us for BSF. But first, Carol has a crush, which we say thank you to Red Energy, 100% Australian electricity and gas, for supporting our podcast. Carol, who's your crush? Zoe Kravitz. 
I love Zoe Kravitz. What can't she do? She's beautiful. She's a babe. She's a model. She's got a wonderful band. She's still playing at music festivals. Well, probably not right at this moment, but all around the world. And she's been in some great films. She was obviously in Big Little Lies and was fantastic in that. But she has recreated one of my favourite all-time books, High Fidelity. And it's streaming at the moment on the ABC. Um, It's written by Nick Hornby. Um, Interestingly... I always thought your son, Ned is the spitting image of, of John Cusack, John Cusack who, played who played Rob the- in the in the original film. Well, interestingly, Rob has been transformed to a woman in the new series. It's 10 parts. Um, I've only seen one. This is going to be my binge treat over this miserable rainy weather. Um, she runs a bookshop. Rob is a she. It, it was set in London. Um, the movie was moved to Chicago. Now we're in Brooklyn, which is very happy with Brooklyn. And, Zoe, and it's a bookshop, not a record shop. No, it's a record shop. Sorry, record oh. shop. Sorry, I said bookshop. Um, Zoe Kravitz's mum, Lisa Bonet, who was briefly married to Lenny Kravitz, um, starred in the movie of High Fidelity, the original movie. She was one of the past love interests. So, and now, now the daughter. Um, Wasn't she on the Cosby show? Yeah, she was. She was. So the daughter, Zoe, who's been in some wonderful films um, and a lot of, you know, Lego movies and, you know, blockbuster movies. I think she was in a Harry Potter spinoff. But she's a great character. And I'm so glad they've made the character a woman. Um, There's a big feminist statement there and it works. And she is credited as one of the producers of the show, the executive producers with Nick Hornby and a few others. Corrie, you will love it. I will love it. And you know what I love? It has nothing to do with the Richmond Football Club. <laughs> As you probably are aware, Anita, Corey, every week when oh, she has a crush, it's something to do what with... What are you talking about? You love Peggy O'Neill as much as me, and so does Anita. Anyway, that's my crush of the week, thanks to Ed Energy. Now, Neats, you're going to give us a book recommendation. Well... I've most been I've been delivering books to your place, in Nita. You have, sorry, and most of the potties have probably read it, but I hadn't, and it was a recommendation by you, Corrie, um, Rebecca by Daphne du Maurier. Anita. When I asked for some classics to get through, and I had put Daphne du Maurier in with the sort of the airport paperbacks and Mills and Boone romance novels. No. Little oh. did I know. She's a beautiful writer, and I loved it, and I loved the internal voice, and I loved the continual sort of stream of consciousness and all those characters and the, and the development and the landscape Loved it. Thank you very much for that hot tip. Well, I loved the way you actually ordered this book, Neats, because at the start of lockdown when you were isolating with Jeff and the family, you rang me at the shop and said, just give me some books that you recommend. Uh, well, you know, how long is the piece of string? And I said, well, what about a classic or something? And Well, okay, whatever you think, whatever you think. And it was such a joy to pick six or seven different novels for someone I care about and knowing that you were going to... I did have to text you, I think, and say, are you sure you haven't read Rebecca? I was shocked, Caro, shocked. Anita, and to think an airport read. Have you seen the movie, Neats? No, I haven't. I've got to see that. It was it's one of Alfred different. Hitchcock's first Hollywood movies mm-hmm. um, produced by the Selznick Studios. Laurence Olivier and... Olivia, uh, not Olivia de Havilland, the sister jo- she didn't Joan like Fontaine. very much, Joan Fontaine. Uh-huh. Judith Anderson, the Australian, plays Mrs Danvers in one of the all-time great cinematic performances. Yes. Very dark, very noir. And yep. there's, a, there's a, different, a slightly different ending too to the book. Yes. So the book, the book oh, is, is... I'm not giving anything sport. away. 
no, I'm not giving anything. Away. It's absolutely brilliant. Um, so, oh, well, that's a very good recommendation. And, um, Corrie, you've got a screen. I do, Caro. Normal people, which apparently two weeks ago when I flagged that this was coming on to Stan, the 12-part series, uh, I called it Ordinary People. Sorry about that. I meant to apologise the week after. I'm an idiot. I was thinking of that film with Mary Tyler Moore and Donald Sutherland. So anyway. Directed by Robert Redford. Brilliant film. It was too. And did it mm. win Best Picture? It did. And it should have. It was a great yeah, film. Yeah, I remember that. It's such a great film if anybody ever wants to pick that one up. Mm-hmm. Normal People by Sally Rooney, who is the young up-and-coming Irish writer who everybody is saying is like the new Colm Toibin, uh, the new Anne Enright. She's really packing a punch on the bookshelves. Her Normal People has been turned into this 12-part series and it is marvellous. Directed, two directors, uh, they, they did six uh, episodes each, Lenny Abrahamson and Hetty MacDonald. And what we do is we cover a four-year period, contemporary story, four-year period in the lives of two young people, two Irish teenagers... Marianne and Connell, and it starts from their final year at school. How did you deal with the sex? To the final there year of so Trinity much College. sex, isn't there? Let's cut it's to the chase. Karen? No, no, but that, it comes with a warning, according to Clem. I said one night, why don't we watch normal people? She said, oh, your recommendation is that you don't watch it with your parents because it's just too embarrassing. <laughs> and I said, oh, what a ridiculous statement that is, Clem. And she absolutely well, laid I, into I me. Apparently fir- it's true. I watched the first two episodes with my eldest daughter, Francesca, in Ballarat on the weekend, and then I came home and completely binged. I was obsessed. And Checker was telling me that, in fa- and it wasn't awkward for us at all, um, Har- Harriet, we had to cover up her eyes. Oh, no, that's... That's a joke. She was in bed, of course. Not. <laughs> I hope so. Um, but Francesca was telling me that they have now on movie sets since the post Harvey Weinstein um, and and other bad behaviour in Hollywood that now there's something called an intimacy coach. Do either of you know about this? So the, so if you're in, about to embark as actors upon this scene, it's like all everybody's off the set and there's just an intimacy director and some or, or, or you know whatever they're called and the the person filming. And they will talk you through it. How are you feeling? Are you feeling uncomfortable? This is to the actors as they're going on, going away, going along with it. Anybody feeling awkward? How can we get to this? You know, the heart of this character. And apparently, it's making all the difference. Well, I tell you what, it is the best sex I have ever seen on a screen, because it's about love and intimacy. And even the mm-hmm. first bonk that they have as teenagers, when you sort of sense that they have a crush on one another, probably Marianne more than the other way around, but she's actually wanting to lose her virginity. She's ready for it. She's up for it. You just have this sense of a connection between two young people, and that's what I loved. And I was a bit angry with one of the reviews that I read said um, that uh, this is one for millennials. Anybody over the age of 35 or 40 is not really going to get it. Neats, you and I went to... Uh, unisex schools right up to year 12. Cara was at a ladies, um, lady, ladies college. I was going to say. <laughs> Cara was at a finishing school in Switzerland. I was at a, uh, I was at a girls' <laughs> school, Corrie. Heaven's sake. But, Neats, you and I both went to, um, you know, co-ed school. And I remember that those last couple of years at school, I'm not giving anything away here because I was well behaved, but it was when we were all exploring relationships with the opposite sex because we were sitting next to them in maths or geography or whatever it was. And it was much more convenient on a day-to-day basis, even between recess and lunchtime, relationships could blow up and come back together again. And I felt this so strongly in this series. I think that probably the friendship and the growing of from teenagehood to adulthood and growing in relationships is the thing I loved most about this 
normal people, I couldn't recommend it more highly on Stan. I, I, I love the book, but I um, the way he treated her early on was just so terrible. And I, apparently that's translated very, um, very well to the TV show as it well. It is. It is. And, and yeah. I have to say, Caro, that, uh, you know, sometimes... Uh, this Paul Messel, who plays uh, Col- uh, Connell, Connell. Um, mm. you know sometimes in our lives when there's somebody on the big screen and you just think this person is going to, you know, has made, has made a mark. This person is somebody extraordinary. I can remember having that same feeling when I saw Ken Branagh in Peter's Friends. Do you remember that great, yep. like the British version mm. of The Big Chill? I remember when Ken Branagh came onto the, came, came onto the scene, I thought, my God, he's huge. And then he was in one of those Shakespeare, I don't know whether it was Hamlet or whichever one it was. Um, he was amazing. And I had the same feeling with James McAvoy in Atonement. Yep. Or maybe it was Mr. Tumnus in Narnia. I'm not really sure. No, but he, but, never, um, he never really kicked on James McAvoy the way I thought he would. But he, did you have the same feeling oh. about him? A star in the making. Well, oh. I had certainly had this about Paul Meskell. So that is my tip. Normal people on stand. Okay, well, that's it. I'll, I'll give it a go. I had one friend who said they they found not they weren't watching it with their children, but when, particularly when they were younger teenagers, they found the wild sex. It made them a bit uncomfortable as an older person. They didn't realise that maybe we've all got a bit because we we can we know the ramifications now of you know what that real really really intimate sex can do to younger people and how it can be quite damaging. Anyway. Well, I, I, f- I found it the opposite, actually. I just thought for, for younger people, if they're watching it, it's a, it's a really good lesson in care, compassion, love. And even if you're not in love with the person that you're having sex with, it's all about that kind of caring and being in the moment and not putting it on Facebook and not, uh, you know, there's one really quick scene where somebody's taken, showing the blokes, um, I think at the school dance, showing yep. photos of, of the girlfriend and, you know, and, and she's up there dancing, looking a million bucks at the dead ball, but he's showing the mates. And, you know, our hero of the moment says, oh, I don't think that's appropriate. And I think I thought, goodness, isn't that just a great lesson for, you know, young people to learn? Anyway, Caro, mm. on to you for food. Well, it was the perfect um, night for it the other night for me to whip up the Robert Carrier Osabuco, which I haven't made since last year. I don't think I've done it. On the show before. You have, but let's go again. Look, you're, well, you're repeating yourself. You're, well, you're getting very, you're getting oh, very forgetful. We've been doing this, po- <laughs> we've done 128 episodes. Um, Do it again. It is a is, ripper. This is from, um, my friend Mary Beasley gave me this recipe many, many years ago. I bring it out so often. Um, we'll put it on the show notes, but there's hardly any ingredients. You just get really good quality osabuco, you know, the knuckles of veal. Um, you flour them, you salt and pepper them, put it on a big bag, give it a shake, brown it. Then you you take all that out and you keep the olive oil and butter in the pan, what's left, and you fry up um, half a Spanish onion and garlic. Then you chuck it all back in again with um, a light stock, white wine, heaps of tomato paste, I think two to four tablespoons, I reckon about three, and then... 15 minutes before you're ready to serve it, you throw in chopped up, finely chopped up pieces of anchovy and more garlic. And that makes it all salty. Oh, you know, if you put anchovy in anything, actually, and what, cook it, it down. doesn't, yeah. And, and we actually, um, um, and you do the gremolata with finely grated orange rind, I reckon, is nicer than lemon rind and um, parsley and served on a potato and celer- celeriac mash. Oh, yum. 
Yum. Robert Carrier's Osabuco. That was BSF. Before we just leave that, Neats, can I say thanks for the pumpkin you gave me for delivering the books? And I did actually talk about it last week because I cooked the best pumpkin recipe and I haven't forgotten you wanted me to send it to you. It's actually just taste.com.au so you can look it up. But, yeah, it was great. Thank Thank you, you, um, Neats, for Rebecca. Corrie for Normal People and Caro for Robert Carrier's Osabuco. <coughs> BSF was thanks to Red Energy, 100% Australian electricity and gas. Corrie, you're grumpy. Caro and Anita, the traffic is back and people are driving like they haven't been on oh, the road. Oh, what a surprise. Corrie's <laughs> got a traffic grumpy. I mean, I might repeat recipes and talk about Richmond. How many of your grumpies have oh, related to oh, cars? Man, oh, man. As and parking tickets. As my father used to say, thank God. About Sunday drivers, he used to say, thank Christ they're, not, they're only allowed out on the road on Sundays. I mean, <laughs> what has gone on? People, come on, what's happened to you all? Now, I know we've had eight weeks off, but really, have you forgotten how to put your indicator on? Do you realise that it's not appropriate and indeed can cause accidents if you cut someone off? Oh, I was tooted it the other day. It hasn't happened for months. And also going down a street, a shopping strip where there is a 40 limit like that hasn't changed everyone just because there's no one around it's still 40 is the limit somebody the other day I reckon I clocked him doing 65 70 now come on I have been driving Kara a lot in the last well last few weeks but particularly in the last week I've mm. been everywhere you from... think you own the road clearly well I'm, 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 I'm professional <laughs> can I just say I haven't let my standards slip but I've been everywhere from Kew to Turak to Footscray to Ballarat to Ballon everywhere. And all I can say that there is a particularly bolshy attitude on the roads. And I don't know what it is. I don't know whether people are suddenly stressed again. They're anxious. They've actually forgotten how to drive. People, relax. You'll get there. Remember that you have a break. Use it. So that's what I'm grumpy about. Oh, have, no. you, have you both noticed that? I've not, I have. Yeah, I've, I've, noticed the, I've noticed the traffic back and it's not something I have missed at all. You know, driving home late at night from Channel 9 has been a joy just, you know, not bothering with the freeway, just going around the, you know, right, driving around the river, no cars. Anita, have you noticed bad driving's creeping back on the agenda? Well, mostly I haven't been driving at all. I've just been staying at home and going for walks down the dirt dirt road. Um, I've, I've had five days where I haven't left the farm. So, um, but I did come up last night at about 11 o'clock and there was, would have been a thousand construction workers on the on that Monash freeway. It was pretty much forty kilometres all the way through. So they must be using this time to do some major roadworks. Yes, mm. I've I've been I've been stuck on that um, forty limit too, Neats. Uh, it's time for six quick questions. Um, I'll kick it off to you, Anita. What do you most fear we could lose post pandemic? I'm going to tie this one into footy because um, I know you're both very keen um, footy people. And I had this fantastic conversation with a friend, Henrietta Rothschild, who's also on the board of Richmond, um, Caro. Corrie, take note. <laughs> no, 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 but I'll bring you into it, Corrie. Did she pay you and, to say that next? And I said, because I said, how do you think the return to footy will go? And she's, and uh, we had a chat about it and I said, do you think they'll do sort of canned laughter and cheering on the not laughter, I suppose, you know, canned supporting on the on the TV. And she said, I think there's a better idea and I think you two should be on it. And that is do a goggle box version of the footy. So whilst the footy's playing, they have all of Corrie's family going for Hawthorne in the corner of the screen and all your family, Caro, <laughs> going for Richmond. Her family and don't all barrack for Hawthorne and oh. mine don't all barrack for Richmond. <laughs> 
the raving fan families one at a time and you get connected with them as you're watching the footy that rather is... than, you know. I think I think what I think what you're sort of saying, Neats, um, with that very good idea, is that you haven't really missed the footy, <laughs> <laughs> and you not, fear not. it coming back. <laughs> oh, bring it on! Bring it um, on, Caro. What? Oh, now this is an interesting question to you. What will you most miss about your husband going back to work? Because guess what, everyone. Brendan, who had about three weeks off in retirement, she sent him back to work. Back you go. Earn money well, I, to pay for my dresses so I can go out to dinner and dress up. You've, it's a completely inaccurate statement. Um, it had absolutely nothing to do with me. But, yeah, Brendan went back to work on Monday. Um, look, you know, there, there's a lot of nice things because, you know, we're in it together again. Would you like we're to share back where the, he's gone? Well, Brendan's um, taken um, a job as the de- deputy director um, of the media, of media, the media unit um, for the Victorian government. Yep. Does this mean we can no longer say bad things about Dan the Man? Well, we actually don't. We don't bag. I don't think we've bagged him very much ever, have we? I don't think Maybe so. Maybe that's why one of the reasons Brendan got no, the job. Um, I, I don't think they're too worried about don't shoot the messenger, Corrie. But um, look, I, I've really, he's been swimming. He's been swimming pretty much every single day. Um, and it's pretty cold and he doesn't wear a wetsuit and he swims in the bay, Port Phillip Bay. And I think that's been a really lovely new habit. He's been doing it with our son mainly and also with one of his best mates, with his best mate. And he's been absolutely loving it. And I'm, I'm sorry that that sort of complete, you know, shutdown of working life. He's never had, he's had four weeks off or a month off. And, you know, it's a month off, a pretty much enforced month off because he hasn't been able to travel or um, up until last week play golf, et cetera, et cetera. And I think it's been really, really good for him. So I'm, I'm sorry for that. And I, re- I hope he keeps the swimming up and I'm sure he will. But yeah, it's going to be interesting, interesting lifestyle change. Oh, there you go. Corrie. Bob Dylan, oh, one of my favourites, turned 79 this week. Um, two weeks older than Charlie Watts from the Rolling Stones and um, six months older than Bernie Sanders. What's your favourite Bob song? Well, uh, my favourite Bob song would probably be the, the song that I chose when my son Will was born, which is uh, A Hard Rain's Gonna Fall, Where Have You Been My Blue-Eyed Son, because that seemed appropriate. But I do love Just Like a Woman and my daughter-in-law, Lib, is a Dylan fanatic. So I put this on the family WhatsApp the other night. Who's what, What's everybody's favourite Dylan song? And she reminded me of Shelter from the Storm. So I just think there are so many. Look, Bob doesn't oh, have the great, think greatest twice, singing all right. voice. <laughs> Bob doesn't Knocking have the greatest, greatest oh. singing voice in the world. You oh, but, it's, oh, but, it's him. but his lyrics, as Bono, your dear friend from last week's podcast, said, every songwriter after him carries his baggage. Yep, Bono, that's just oh, about Oh, no, you've it, come around really. to Bono this week, have <laughs> no, you? No, After bagging his 60th birthday playlist. Neats, on the pumpkin um, issue, of all the vegetables in your lovely veggie patch at the farm, which one is your favourite to use in recipes? Oh, that's a hard choice, Corrie. Um, but I think I'll go for the COVID green. I have used the spinach almost every day. It just keeps on growing. And I kind of think it's a bit of uh, vitamin C and the good greens through COVID. And you can add it to everything. I remember I used to hide it in everything when I fed the kids too when they were little because it goes into um, 
bolognese, you could throw it into any sort of meat dish, salads, with eggs, anything, and, and it's always popping up. And it shrinks. So and it's sort still, of just, still the it, beef. It, it shrinks and it sh- sometimes it, it just does. takes on the colour of whatever yeah. you mix it with. Just, and it's breakfast, lunch or dinner really, isn't it, it as is. you say? So, yeah, we've done so a shakshuka good. with it this week. Um, we've chopped it up in salads. Um, we've cooked it in a in, in any ver- – and it also works in almost every culture. So whether it's the phalliston, which I've done a lot of cooking of, or um, – more Eastern or, or traditional, um, you know, podgy food that we cook, no problem at all. I've actually mm. just planted that multicoloured silver beet, you know, with the diff- yes. from seeds, Beautiful. from actual seeds. So I'm looking forward to seeing how it mm-hmm. turns out. But spinach, you've inspired mm-hmm. me. Um, Neats, another one for you. If you had the choice of just one bar or restaurant to book <sighs> post-lockdown, which would it be? Oh, well, that was a really tough question because my – Daisy, my daughter, works with Worksmith and so she's really impacted by the hospitality, food and beverage and has tried to be working so hard. And I hate to single out any one of them because I feel so much for that industry. But I I thought of um, the Raymond boys that have got Bistro Gatan, Hotel Gatan and Frederick around the corner from us in Richmond. And I would love to go back to one of them. I always feel it's a lovely night out without being pretentious, but you know you've, you're having a great meal, great service and great food. Mm. Oh, yes. I've, um, um, I actually never got there before shut down or lockdown. I'm looking forward to trying it. Um, mm. Caro, the NRL seems to have successfully got the jump on the AFL in terms of cranking back into the season. What are your thoughts on that? Have they been successful? Oh, they've certainly banged on about it enough. NRL journos are so in the pocket of that Peter Volandis, I reckon. I've said this before, but there's been all these articles in the paper about how, you know, Gillian McLaughlin could learn a thing or two about leadership, et cetera, et cetera. Yes, they're starting this season two weeks before the AFL. I personally don't think that's a huge issue for the AFL. But, you know, they will have sport on the TV before the AFL does. They still don't have a deal with the uh, pay deal. with their, They're bluing with the referees. They've cut them down to one. Yes, he's shown he's been very strong, Peter Volandis, on that. Bluing with the referees union still doesn't have a TV deal. So let's just see where it all ends up. For so the maybe NRL. they've got the PR jump, but once we scratch away the PR... Well, I think I think Gillian McLaughlin has... I mean, I, I'm a critic of his occasionally, but he's been so meticulous in ticking every box. And it's just harder for the AFL because... AFL has played in every state in Australia and two of those states have been really stringent about quarantining and that's WA and SA, whereas the NRL is really only Queensland and New South Wales with the Melbourne Storm and so it's been so much easier for them. I think the AFL could make a huge impact on footy in southern Queensland by this hub they're going to create over the next month or two and I think that'll be good. I think they might get a bit of a jump on the NRL in Queensland. So... Neat's just thinking of managers who seem to have done a good job. I have been impressed in recent weeks by Gillan McLaughlin uh, and the way he is handling everything. And um, I don't know what your thoughts are about that, but good ma- good managers and good CEOs uh, really are coming to the fore at this time, aren't they? Mm. There certainly is. And I'm, I'm not a great one for, for cruising LinkedIn, but I have had a bit more time to do that. And some of the some of the work that some of the leaders are doing um, on that forum and others that I hear about, it's really time to step up and it's a time where where good leadership shines. Um, Couldn't agree more. Compared to the NRL, for example, the AFL's done a terrific job. Mm. And it's it's so interesting, the differences. I mean, and you'd be interested in this, like, 
Gillian McLaughlin's a CEO, even though he's on the commission. Peter Volandis is the chairman, and he's sacked his CEO, and they're, they're you know, they're changing all of that. Um, they, they brought in a troubleshooter, which showed how little they thought of Todd Greenberg when COVID attacked. But um, Richard Goiter, I mean, he, he gave an interview on ABC Grandstand on Saturday, which only reminded us all how little we've seen him. He hasn't been alongside Gillian McLaughlin at any press conferences. Admittedly, he lives in WA. But um, it's just been a very different style of leadership. Anyway, it's been great to have you on, Anita Zima. Thank you so much. Thank you, Caro. Thanks, Corey. I've got all these other things we could talk about, but we're out of time. Well, Neats, I would like to extend to you an invitation, and I'm sure all our messengers out there would love it too in a few weeks if we can touch base with you again. From a personal point of view, we want to see how Slade is going because you are one of the eminent, you know, preeminent recruiters in the country and we just hope everything goes well with you and your team as the economy rebuilds. But we're also interested in your overview of how the workforce is regrouping and getting back. So we'd love to have you back, plus a couple of pumpkin recipes would be good. <laughs> and a few sneeze, more. Perspex sneeze screens, that, that's the next big thing. Oh, mm. oh, the imagine at supermarkets, never again. Oh, anyway, <laughs> thank you, Anita. Thank you to our podcast supporter, Red Energy. Thank you for your feedback and comments. Please send feedback, comments, tips and suggestions to the Don't Shoot the Messenger Facebook page. If you have trouble finding the show notes, listen to the start of this episode. You can follow us on Instagram at Don't Shoot Pod. We tweet, just join at Don't Shoot Pod. And you can email us, feedback at don'tshootpod.com.au. Thank you, Corrie. Thank you, Miss Jane. And Corrie, what do we say? Don't shoot the messenger. Thanks for listening to the Don't Shoot the Messenger podcast with Caroline Wilson and Corey Perkin. Thanks to Red Energy, powered by Snowy Hydro, a leader in renewable energy. Call 131 806 for real Aussie energy.